You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the show. This is Eli Steenledge. And with me today are Jeremy Holiday. Hi, Michael Krieger. And uh, I'm really excited that this week we have a special guest, Andre Darlington, who is the author of Movie Night Menus from Turner Classic Movies, where it is uh, meals, menus, paired with classic films. So um, how are you doing tonight, Andre? Great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. We're excited to have you. Tonight we're going to talk about your your book a little bit and how you wrote that and came up with all the uh, the food and the menus, and then we're going to discuss um, a few of our favorite films from your book that you picked and food and food yes. yeah and some of our favorite food. So could you give us a little background on yourself and and how you kind of came into this book and uh, being interested in doing that? Yeah, sure. I um, started out as basically a freelance food and drink journalist. Um, I was a restaurant reviewer. I had a wine column originally, and then I had a cocktail column. And actually, we pitched um, my write with my sister, who lives in Philadelphia, who's also a food writer. And we had pitched uh, our first book we did together was a cocktail book uh, called The New Cocktail Hour. And we'd actually pitched that because she wrote, she likes to write about cheese and I like to write about wine. And the publisher came back and said, would you guys like to write a cocktail book? And we're like, okay, sure. So we did that. It was, um, I suppose we wrote that in like 2014, 2015. It came out last year. Um, it did really well. And then from that is how um, Turner Classic Movies ended up coming to us and asking if we wanted to take on this project for them. And actually, originally, it was going to be um, just a cocktail book. Not just, okay. but you know, mainly focused on cocktails. Hmm. Um, as we got rolling, it was uh, hot, difficult to find. There's lots of drinking in American cinema, but it's hard to find yeah. movies that have a great specific cocktail that are also mm. a great movie that also have a great you know scene for it that you know people want to watch the whole film. Right. So we all decided that maybe we wanted to add um, food to it. So the mm. the book changed a little bit. Um, so that's how it came became full menus with uh, the American sort of, you know, some of the canonical films of American cinema that do have great drinking and dining scenes in them. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, I was excited about this book because it combines some of my favorite things, which are food, drinks, and movies. (laughs) And (laughs) uh, I love putting those things together as well. I like watching uh, films while I eat eat food, Um, (laughs) which I think most people do. Uh, but even at home, I think that's I like to sit down for our meal in front of a movie. Well, it's also important to say that, that, that Mikey is a, a, a restaurant manager, um, a phenomenal cook and brewmaster as well. We're currently drinking a nice an espresso milk stout. Espresso milk stout, um, which yeah. is delightful. It is. Um, uh, and we often, when we, you know, like it, it's a, it's fun to see a book that really helps you turn like the viewing experience. You know, I, I, don't, I don't like. It's exciting to me to like plan out the whole evening, like buying the ingredients, mm-hmm. prepping the friends about the film, making mm-hmm. the food, you know, and p- putting it all together. 
Um, I don't. I mean, I'm sure there's. I just haven't encountered anything like that in the world before. And I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I d- just thought it was a great way to get people coming together and appreciating uh, some of these classic films. Um, so how did you guys approach uh, writing the book specifically? Were you film fans before this to to a bigger degree, or um, was it just kind of a side interest? We are big um, film fans, and I, you know, I've had a like projector and a wall that I would project movies onto, mm-hmm. so I would do that in the summers mm-hmm. uh, with friends. Um, I would say we're we're big film fans. The the hurdle we had to get over for this was I wasn't that familiar with the twenties and thirties. Okay. Uh, you know, fifties, sixties, seventies, even up. So the so it, we decided we would do we'd kind of skip silent films. Okay. Um, and go from the twenties up until sort of the early eighties or go from the thirties up until the early eighties. Sure. Um, so I did a lot of watching of thirties and forties films cause that was sort of the whole. And of course those were some movies that I absolutely fell in love with. Um, you know, I knew some of the fil- film noir stuff, but not a lot. Um, and it was just such a blast to, to watch those old films, films. And I think the, you know, the idea of the book was to, you know, the, the newer films, we can all get together and watch a new film eating pizza, but it's it's nice to like dig into the older films a little bit. Um, there's a little bit more hurdle there, maybe if it's in black and white or people don't, re- you know, they're confused about really how entertaining these movies can be. Right. Uh, these are such good films. They're such good screenplays, but they take a little bit of. Sometimes they take a little bit of work to get into. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think one of my favorite ways to like watch a movie that I haven't seen before is like with somebody that like loves it. So they're, yeah. they're, they're like so excited to like show yeah. it. Like, oh, I can't, can't wait till you see this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's fun to like, um, uh, you know, formalize that experience and be like, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna make this this meal with this drink for this Pete, you know, yeah. um, and have them be there like cheerleading on the sides, like oh, oh, and like what's coming up? Like just wait, just wait. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of what makes viewing a film exciting for the first time. Mm-hmm. And especially, yeah, and I think that, go ahead. I was just gonna say that that you know from the, from the book you can get it just by reading what you're supposed to eat with it, and you know what we suggest. Um, you can get a good sense of what you're in for. So there's adventure and musical and noir and all this stuff, and you can kind of dig that out in advance. Yeah, and I like the little details you guys include about you know how to make uh, the the evening a little more exciting and fun for the viewing experience. Some things to do because I know, like Jeremy was talking about, especially like classic films and stuff. I think part of the enjoyment is it almost seems like a different world when we're going back to like you mm. said the 30s and 40s. And kind of that glamorous Hollywood side, um, I think, is really fun. And if you are watching it with someone who kind of knows some facts, some interesting ideas about Hollywood and stuff and the actors, that, that just makes it all the more fun. Uh, I think your, your book is like a nice companion piece with that, that you don't have to know all about that. Yeah, it's nice. Where it functions as a nice intro to these different movies. Yeah. So how did you have a good idea of uh, a lot of the films you wanted to include? Um, did you have to do a lot of watching of other films to kind of narrow it down? Yeah, because it started out as a cocktail book, we really watched a ton, a ton, a ton of movies, and especially those kind of pre-Prohibition or Prohibition-era movies. <laughs> Somehow during Prohibition, they loved to show people drinking. You know, people would go <laughs> to movies to watch other people you do what they couldn't, I guess. Live through them, yeah. Yeah, so there was a lot, and there's a lot of movies where there's like a bottle on the table, but there isn't necessarily a cocktail. So we did end up going through a lot of movies. And what's funny is we, you know, there's one thing to watch a movie that you love, and another to go back 
or like Rocky, for instance, until I wrote a book about food, I never would have remembered that it's Thanksgiving Day. The movie takes place part of it on Thanksgiving Day. And Rocky, I think, um, you know, someone throws a turkey out the back door into the (laughs) app. Like, you're just not going to remember that, although it's a basic scene. (laughs) Um, So there was a lot of watching the movie, even though we thought we knew the movies, there was Mm. a lot of watching again. Yeah. There's a lot of mismemory of, um, you know, inaccurate. You know, I knew that the Big Chill had great food scenes, but you don't really pay attention to them until you, you know, you kind of have a new eye when you're like, oh, they're making apple pie. All the times that I've seen the Big Chill, I never realized that. <laughs> right. Were there any um, kind of favorites you had in mind or that you watched and you were like, yes, we're definitely going to put this in. And then eventually it just didn't end up working for whatever reason in the menu or it didn't have that great kind of centerpiece scene um, for a meal or anything? Yeah. I mean, there's a great movie called, I, I think it's called We're Not Dressing, okay. which is um, – you know, a movie which has, you know, a cast that gets cast away on an island and has a great cocktail called the Parrot Cocktail. And there's this amazing <laughs> scene where some woman's underwear, like, floats across the whole island, which is how they figure out that it's inhabited. And it's just this wild romp. But, you know, there was it just wasn't a good enough movie necessarily sure. to put in this. We really tried to go with... Um, you know, Turner Classic Movies did not tell us what movies to put in, but mm-hmm. they definitely have a group of movies that they consider essentials. Yeah. And we really tried to – there's very few movies in here that um, aren't on that essentials list, I guess. And we tried to do as good a job as we could of, you know, ha- having, you know, quite a few of the most famous stars, mm-hmm. actors and actresses. But yeah. there's people we, we left out, which really, um, which is really unfortunate. But it just happens, you know. We don't have a yeah. Doris Day movie. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, like that. Um, so there's some there's some stuff. You know, the book could have gone on and on forever. So sure, you know, it would be fun to do it. It'd be fun to do a second one at some oh. point. Yeah. Was there anything, um, any films you discovered along the way that maybe you said, oh, I know we really needed to check this out. I haven't seen it, and now I love this film. Yeah, I ended up um, in love with some of the early Clark uh, Gable movies, um, sort of the pre, pre-World pre War II, like Chained in 1934. Um, when he with Joan Crawford, they were just incredible on the screen. And it seems like they were sort of, they were both um, silent movie stars that were pretty much the, the two silent movie stars that made it um, into talkies um, as successfully as they did. Um, and a lot of their, they just have amazing rapport on screen. I think they really, they're some of the best movies of, of the 30s, the sort of pre-code um, movies. Yeah. Um, Chained is in the book, and it's just this magnificent movie where there's so much witty banter that you know is not mm. scripted. Mm. Uh, they just they just go for it. And also, it's a great cocktail movie. Um, there's a scene where Joan Crawford is sort of leaving one boyfriend and and finds Clark Gable on a boat and he becomes the next boyfriend and she's drinking this sherry flip which is really like an old fashioned drink and Clark Gable's you what is a pretty girl like you drinking a terrible drink like that <laughs> the whole movie kind of changes and he gets her drinking daiquiris so you know that's a movie that I as a cocktail guy that's a movie that I love I'm like the whole movie hinges on Clark Gable being like why are you drinking a sherry flip that's dumb um so there's some, you know, just really great scenes in there. And that's not a movie that I that I knew. You know, I sort of knew Clark Gable from, um, you know, It Happened One Night, I think was probably yeah. the only 30s movie that, um, you know, if people know a, a, a pre, 
um, Gone with the Wind Clark Gable movie. It's probably it happened one night, but he made all kinds of other um, fantastic movies with Joan Crawford. So yeah, I think that was definitely one that I I also have not seen, and reading the description made me really excited to watch it. So that's one I'm it, I'm gonna definitely search out. One of the first ones. It's fantastic. It opens with her. It's almost like a James Bond scene. It opens with her, you know, tr- going across to Manhattan in this like incredible dress and like stepping off the boat and you're just like, wow, that is uh that is quite a woman and what amazing movie intro. Yeah. And it just keeps getting keeps getting better from there. So. Wow. I'm excited to see that one. So I I feel like uh this book is a great way to kind of get people coming together to appreciate some of these great classics, which in some, some circles I think are fading away. I mean, food, drinks, and movies were once a way for us to have kind of a communal experience. And I think we're losing that with some of our, you know, screens are everywhere. They're in our pockets where we pull them out. We can watch stuff on our phones. So this become, it's kind of become more of a private experience than a shared one. Was that one of your goals to kind of get people kind of back into that setting of community and kind of sharing together? Yeah, absolutely. When, you know, Time Warner approached us with the project, I we jumped on it right away just because what a great opportunity to work with, you know, some of the greatest, you know, works, really the greatest works of art anywhere. I mean, they own um, the great American cin- cinema movies from the 20s all the way to now. Right. Uh, and, you know, I'm a you know, I was a Turner Classic Movies fan anyway. So often, you know, you're flipping through and there's a, a good old movie and you just leave it on there and, and it turns out being better than you ever expected. Exactly. And I think yeah. in the era of, you know, Netflix and chill, there is a great thing to having a group of people. I mean, obviously you can watch it. Some of these are set up to, you know, watch as a, as a couple and they're really fun. But it's really fun to watch something like The Big Chill, which is an ensemble movie anyway with like eight people you know like mixed couples it's it's really um pretty fascinating and the conversations afterwards are 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 great um and they just make for a great uh entertaining evening and it is kind of a wonderful thing to see people going back and and catching these old movies which are such an incredible legacy yeah for sure do you want to talk a little bit about how you put together some of the the food pairings um how you created those menus and yeah, picked out the food. Yeah, yeah. Some of them. So some of them have the actual. Some of them are literal. And mm-hmm. so for instance, the divorcee. You look at that. Um, there's actually a shot of a cocktail in there, and it looks like a Clover Club. And there are not that many drinks from that era that look like a Clover Club. Hmm. So we're like, okay, let's throw that in there. Um, in some of them, like Grand Hotel, they actually talk about the Louisiana Flip. So you kind of hunt up what. Um, that was yeah uh, and then we just kind of paired stuff that either tasted good or was correct for that character um, chained is another a great a, a example the you know we really luck out where the sherry flip is mentioned and then he talks about drackeries and then they ha- sit down and ha- they go to Argentina and sit down and have this chicken dinner and actually like sit around the table and all unbutton their pants afterwards which is bizarre. <laughs> Everyone's like basically pulling their pants off of the table. I don't know. There's just weird food scenes. Um, you know, and then some of them just uh, write themselves. Stagecoach, uh, you know, we're obviously doing a, a ch- you know, like a chuck wagon chili. Yeah. Um, so there, there's stuff that's in the movies uh, themselves, you know, or like Rope Hitchcock. We're just playing on strangling people, you know. So we do like rope, rope twists and uh, – you know, people, you know, they that's such a bizarre movie where they basically party on this guy's coffin for right. a go through the movie. 
I think that was some of the my favorite naming, Art of Choke. Um, yeah, these are pretty great. great yeah. It's a great. It's also a great cocktail. It's a Kyle Davidson uh, cocktail from uh, from Chicago from the late two uh, thousands. Um, you know, and stuff like American Graffiti with the you know boozy shakes is yeah. is really fun. Mm-hmm. And, and um, we had a good time looking up Annie Hall because they there's this hilarious scene where Woody Allen um, goes to Los Angeles and eats this totally at the time he's making fun of this ridiculous salad that has like avocado and sprouts on it and yeah. you know he's fun of this thing <laughs> and then it's like wait a minute that's exactly the way we eat now right, right. <laughs> but back then it was really funny to like the steak and potatoes crowd from or you know the pastrami right. crowd from um, yeah, elaborate salad yeah 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 exactly with well you know all these basically Mediterranean things on it, which was just so strange to Midwesterners or East Coasters back back in that day. Um, you know, there's other really fun stuff in, in Some Like It Hot, which is, you know, one of the great, you know, comedies of all time, Mar- uh, you know, uh, Marilyn Monroe. And Marilyn Monroe in real life was into saltines and peanut butter. <laughs> so the director was like, well, let's just put saltines and peanut butter in the movie then. So she <laughs> saltines and peanut butter. They're eating on the train. And then Marilyn Monroe makes a Manhattan in like a water in like a hot water bag, like one of the things you like would put down by your feet, yeah. you know, to stay yeah. warm. So she finds one of those and starts mixing Manhattans in it for all the girls in the band, and it's just like these great food and drink scenes. She's like, mm. all right, we're gonna put those out, and by the in the moment that the movie hits that, everyone's gonna go nuts because they're gonna get the illusion. Right, right. That is great. Uh, any any personal favorites for pairings? I know you went over just a bunch right now, but like uh, any favorite drinks or food that you want to point out? Yeah, I think you know it's really fun to make an apple pie with the big chill. That's one of my favorite movies. I think it's one of the great screenplays um, ever written, and it's really great to get together. You know, maybe around the holidays, October, November, something like that, and make apple pie and just sit around and drink from a bottle. It's pretty great, um, and everyone loves that screenplay. So there's always something in there for for people. Um, the pairings that are that are fun. Um, I do really like, um, you know, female is this crazy movie where everything's upside down. There's a female executive, and she just does all of the things you would expect from the grossest male executive. She just brings young men that work for her over to her house and seduces them with vodka. <laughs> um, and it's just nice. wild. It's one of those movies that make your eye pop, eyes pop out of your head. You're like, was this made in 1933? Because it feels like 1968. Right, right. Which is another strange thing about the, about the Hayes Code. You know, the movies before it really feel modern. And then they mm-hmm. kind of become very conservative into the 40s and 50s. And then go back. Um, but, you know, just vodka tonics with the bow pot. There's a couple times where we have a drink that basically the food is also the drink. Hmm. We do a yeah. Manhattan marinated steak. Um, so that's fun because it's really easy. It's just steaks and Manhattans and then you marinate them. And the bow tie pasta one is really um, fun and popular too because it's really easy to do. So many people like vodka. And then you're just hmm. putting the vodka in the in the sauce as well. And there's just something, something about the ease of that and the um, – you know, it's just very laid back. So you're not making, you're not shaking cocktails. You're just, you know, drinking and having a good time uh, with an with an easy sort of one pot meal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's one of the things I enjoyed about the book is that there's some really kind of uh, exotic type food in it that maybe you haven't tried, and then there's some great, very approachable things like uh, the New York deli sandwich tray. 
right. um, with salad. There's the uh, deep dish pizza that you can make, these kind of easier things. So I think that you can kind of go any range in there to pick something out that you want to do. Saltines yeah, and peanut we, butter. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> There's the, the bar is low. Yeah. <laughs> we really tried to do, if there was a complicated cocktail at all that you needed to get more than two ingredients for, we tried to go with really simple food. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, we know too that, you know, if you're going to have friends over, you want to just be able to maybe even do it tonight, you know? Right. Um, so it's much easier to have something that's, uh, that's really, that's, that's good and maybe a little bit new, but, um, very easy to, to whip together. Yeah, for sure. Well, it reminds me of, did you guys ever watch, um, I think it was on TBS when we were younger, a dinner and a movie. Dinner and a movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it would be like they'd show that. you a classic film and yeah. then they'd like the semi-attractive and platonic but not quite platonic <laughs> couple would like make a meal along <laughs> with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the commercials, yeah. Yeah, I, I always found that super entertaining as a kid. Because oftentimes, you know, because I also, as a, an aside, I started watching Mystery Science Theater 3000, like the new thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just sort of... Um, I don't know, really appreciated the, like, movie with breaks or, like, movie with commentary by other people. Yeah. Um, and, and I was like, oh, like, actual food? Like, it, it just it seems like a cool idea that I remember being – because I remember th- watching dinner and movie as a kid and being like, oh, man, like, I wish somebody was making me food right now because I'm <laughs> super hungry watching this film. <laughs> right. uh, but instead I have, you know, microwave popcorn or whatever you have when you're 14 yeah. years old. Someday there will be an app where you can just watch one of these movies and, and press a button and, and somebody will bring over something from one of the movies, right? Yeah, yeah. like series <laughs> like, Jeremy, it seems as though you're watching The Big Chill. Uh, according to this book, you, this would be a great pairing. Would you like us to send it over from the local restaurant? Yeah. I'm like, yes, Siri, please. Yeah. This drink would pair well. Thank yeah. You. And, I mean, like, and as we speak, like, perhaps the um, – like Amazon algorithm somewhere is figuring He's out this out. and has already patented it and will send me an email about it soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the I drink thing definitely app. seems likely. And oh yeah, preparing. Yeah, yeah. You better yeah, get I on mean, that, Andre. There's such a there's such a history of the pageantry of even just getting your soda and popcorn as you go into the yes. theater. There's so much of it that so much of that what surrounds the film, uh, you know, adds to it, adds to the magic of of yep. the cinema. And I and I love I love that too. I love the introduction. You know, I love getting a great introduction. Or, you know, mm. whether it's masterpiece theater or yeah. you know even stuff that's on TCM, um, dinner yeah. in the movie, just adds a little bit more to the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when I uh, when Chocolat came out when I was in college. Yeah. Um, and I went to see it, and like my uh, my French teacher um, was like, she's this very like overactive, uh, very zealous like French woman, and she was like, oh, you're going. And it's like, oh, but wait, you know. <laughs> And she like because we were going as a group of students, uh-huh. uh, like because yeah, we took a French class. And she like went to the store and bought us like little bonbons. She's like, if, you, if you're going to the film, you must have these. Have you know, because it's like she's like you, you can't go to a film about chocolate without having chocolate yeah. to taste. Um, what was interesting is so we so she bought this for us and we went there. And at the movie theater, like there was like a chocolate shop next door. This in Burlington, Vermont, and they were like handing them out too. Oh. You know, so like obviously, the, yeah, obviously that like. Um, the, the theory that you had to have chocolate to enjoy the chocolate movie um, was one that was pervasive. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And, and I, I saved the little rapper for years. I mean, because, uh, you know, a memory, yeah. Johnny, Johnny Depp, Julie Pinoche, <laughs> Pirates, on the, you know, it was great. The Winds of Change. Um, <laughs> so I have to say, uh, my wife and I tried one of these last night. So I'll talk more about Casablanca, but to talk about the food, uh, we prepared the meal. And oh, good. Um, we, we've been to Morocco and so we had traditional tagine. 
cook there. So it was great. We hadn't really had it much since we've been back. So it was great to have those Moroccan spices um, again cooked in and just brought back a lot of memories. I think that's another thing too that you know food and drinks can do is kind of recall memories and and things like that and even remind you even if you haven't had the food in a movie i think sometimes just the experience if it's handled well in the film yeah you still remember that um yeah but yeah we really enjoyed the food and the drink and i can speak to your experience that the drink really paired well with the food <laughs> it's like, great. we Good. were drinking we had the uh i think it was the old 75 on that one yep um, french 75 yep yeah and uh, so we were, we were having the drink and then we cooked dinner and by the time we had the eggplant and everything cooked together, we tried it and I was like, man, that does really pair well. That sounds really refreshing to go with it. Uh, but it was, it was a really fun evening to kind of have that ad- added extra element. It was only the two of us, but that, that is, you know, it's kind of only. a romantic film. So, yeah. um, so that, that totally worked. Yeah. For the two Maybe of us. Uh, Excellent. Great to hear. So the tagine worked out. It was good. Yeah, it was really good. Um, we, we also have three kids which do enjoy couscous, so it, it just worked out. They did go for the plain couscous, but kids will be kids, so right. um, we tried the other. But yeah, it was, it was fun uh, to have that, have that meal pairing and revisit Casablanca together and, and kind of think about that. And then you're, you're totally right, like when you, you know, are kind of making that pairing, you think about, uh, you know, at Rick's cafe them all having drinks right. and and being a gin joint and yeah. um him referencing that so that was really fun such a great movie <laughs> yeah so if we continue along here we wanted to kind of pick some of our favorite films from the book and also some of our favorite food that we might mention which i was kind of talking about yeah uh but if we kind of we're just going to kind of throw out each of ours film or a few films that we enjoy off the list and kind of discuss those together a little bit. So anybody, Jeremy, you want to go? Oh, sure. So yeah. I chose The Sting, Andre. Um, All right. Because uh, I, I love it. Um, uh, what can I say about it? The first time I watched it, like, my mind was blown, like, at the beginning with, like, the little tr- the little street con that they do. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, it was, like, it was kind of, I mean, kind of a parallel experience to watching, like, the Iron Man movie with, um, you know, uh, the new one. Uh, the original Iron Man, because um, like he like you see the origin story, and then you have a whole movie after that, yeah. you know. And I was like entertained enough in like the first ten minutes of the film, mm-hmm. it was like so clever. I'm like, I get like a whole movie of this. <laughs> oh my god! Um, and I also, I mean, I've seen it. I don't know, like three or four times. I, I like it. I love the you know, like I love the music. I love that it's like a movie in the '70s made about the '30s. Um, you know, and there's also like a, I mean, wow, there's like this. Butch casting the Sundance Kid, not shooting people thing, which is part because it's a revenge story, you know. Because at the beginning, right. you know, it's his partner gets killed, and this and this is all like a very complicated ruse to mm-hmm. like cheat, you know, like really, really get the guy, you know, uh, uh, Lonigan who had um, had his partner killed, um, and there's some sort of like kung fu fighting without weapons that's part of it, you know. I like the setup of it, um, and I also like I love a good mystery, I love a good crime story, um, and I and I just like. Um, I mean, it's not like an old film, but I, I love the way like my expectations uh, as a movie viewer are manipulated. Mm-hmm. You know, like the way beats happen in it. Like you totally think you know what's happening, mm-hmm. and you're like, and then you're like, and there's this whole other layer that's going on behind it that yeah. you realize that you as the viewer is being conned all the way through. Um, and I just and so like when I, I, I like I used to you know I was teaching film class in high school and I'd be like, have you ever seen this movie? And they're like, no, it's some old film. I'm like, yeah. trust me, watch it. Like. <laughs> 
minute for like an hour and like thirty five minutes through, your mind will blow. <laughs> right. And you know, without fail, like, oh, that's so super clever. Like, I didn't even know. You know, so that's super fun. Um, and so you paired it with it was like um, uh, I paired it with a deep dish pizza and uh, and the old fashioned. I mean, like yeah. we are here in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. I, I think we collectively love ourselves a good old fashioned here. Yeah, um, right. So it's super fun. Um, but I was wondering, so um, why why the why the like mobster theme for it? Because I mean, because I was thinking other possibilities, um, like with how clever you were about rope, like um, because the sting isn't what it appears, you know, because it may be like a. I don't know, like a mincemeat pie where there's no meat in it or like a pig in a blanket where there's something <laughs> hidden inside. You know, it's like you serve it to your guests. You know, it's, it's like, like one of those cakes that look like a peppermint or something. You know, it's right. something that looks like something, but it's actually something there's else. a twist in it. In the yeah. yeah. So just yeah, – the, go ahead. We've thought of doing something sneaky like that. And then <laughs> found this amazing um, – actually, my sister developed this sort of – she'd been making these deep dish pizzas in her mm-hmm. – um, cast iron skillet and they were so good. Mm-hmm. And it's just such like a – there's something about this sting that – that movie, you just have like all suspension of disbelief, right? You enter that yeah. movie and you're just going for I don't know, was a hundred, you know, two two hours. Yeah. And you're hooked, and you know it's got that like Scott Joplin score. It's, it's yeah, great. Yeah. It's it's so great to have like gritty early '70s looking back on gritty '30s. Yeah. And pulling this incredible, um, you know, really one of the great, one of the great trick screenplays of all time. Yeah. I mean, it's just fantastic. Um, and then we just kind of decided to, you know, go go the easy, relaxed route with that. Your brain's working yeah. hard enough. Let's just have deep dish pizza. <laughs> Although, are you ready for this? Yeah, tell me. Deep dish pizza, Chicago style. Yeah. The cheese and the sauce are reversed. Yeah. So it's it is a reversal. Yeah, it's true. Thinking. So that's true. They do have it the, is. the surprise going on there. It's not what you normally think. And um, uh, like full disclosure, Eli uh, and his wife Jess lived in Chicago for a long time. Yeah. Um, uh, this is where they went to grad school. Your first kid, and uh, they talk all well, often about like, <laughs> yeah, pizza in Madison's good, but I really like. And, uh, Chicago, if they're yeah. driving anywhere near Chicago, they're like, okay, like how long do we have? Stop? Like, can we get a pizza? Can we order it ahead and pick it up? And yeah. We recently drove through on Easter Day, and we were just so depressed because we were like, oh, we're gonna be able to get this food because we're gonna be in Chicago this weekend. And uh, Easter, everything closed, so yeah. we couldn't stop and get all the all, deep dish. all the Italian joints were closed. Well, yeah, there's something to a deep dish that gets etched in your brain, right? Yeah. You can't can't be denied. <laughs> so yeah. I, I want to ask you a question: Have you ever um, uh, heard of a movie called Nine Queens, Andre? I've heard of it. I'm not sure that I've ever seen it. Okay, so it, I um, I haven't seen it either. No. All right. Uh, so when I was this is when I was uh, teaching. Film in high school back in New Hampshire with my friend Ben Boyington. Hey Ben, um, we you know we would pick we would we'd want to uh, we always wanted to show the kids um, cram as many like different genres into a film at a time. So we were doing like <laughs> foreign crime film, you know, uh, with subtitles. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I had never seen this film before. Nine Queens. Um, it's an uh, it's an Argentinian film. Um, and like I think it came out uh, when it came out, it like won like buckets and buckets of awards. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. Uh, wow. I mean, what I want to say about it is it's, it's like the sting, but there's a whole other layer beyond it. You know, like there, there, there's, there's like, you, you get through like the second trick and there's like 20 minutes left and you're like, what else is there to go? <laughs> and then like, and, and then, and, 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 and then again, you see this whole other way in which the main characters and you as the viewer have been totally manipulated, um, it's it's I, I often call it like the Sting Plus. It's also more modern, so they get to play around with like technology a lot. Because I mean, the thing about the Sting, it's cool, mm-hmm. but I mean, 
like, you know, there's all those scenes where they're preparing all the chalkboards to make it look like a real bedding parlor. Yeah. You know, and so imagine that, like, in the 2000s where they're doing cell phones and elevators and all that sort of James Bond-style espionage, but with a bunch of kind of fly-by-night cons. Um, mm-hmm. It's super entertaining. The characters are great. It's one of those things, it's one of those films where you're like, oh, yeah, I got to figure it out. And then you're like, who's that lady? I'm sure she's not important. Whoa, okay. Yeah, Um, I didn't expect that to happen. I mean, it centers around... The Nine Queens are this sort of, like, uh, very unique, special set of uh, stamps. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the main task in the film is, like, this con finds this other con to help him sell these forged queens to this special collector who's in town. Fabulous. Um, Is it in Spanish? It's uh, it's in Spanish. Um, Did you say Argentina? Yeah, it's an Argentinian film. Okay. uh, I watched it in subtitles that don't speak Spanish very well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't... Anyway, so, but uh, what I wanted to say was... Um, and it has this, like, deep homage to the sting in it. Like, it, so much so that it's, oh, like, nice. right towards the end, there's a, a big shot of these people sitting in a room with a carousel, which is the, that place where they do all the organizing when they're in the sting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I know, it was like, uh, I don't know, it was like playing Freebird at the concert. I was like, <laughs> I, I already love all these twists you've done. And I'm like, oh, and you told that you love the sting. Oh, I get it. You know, because you're like, I can do the sting in a modern setting and give you a little bit more. You know, but, you know, like like as if there's some more room to play with expectations. So, mm-hmm. um, I love the sting, but I, I uh, Nine Queens is my sting plus. I, I do like the element of the sting, which I appreciated was that it being made in the 70s and it's set in the past but that's kind of like this bridge to like mm. sort of modern filmmaking mm-hmm. but still kind of having this classic hollywood yeah. aesthetic to it but so it kind of feels modern but and they have these great costuming and stuff like that but it's kind of it done it looks in a, like it's on a back lot right you know it looks right. over the 30s made in that style mm. but it is more modern where traditionally maybe they weren't doing quite as much sets and stuff mm-hmm. like that um, well, I, I remember being confused about when it take like when it was right. made when I watched it. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like when it's like older, but old, the yeah. color's really good, and and that's definitely these actors that I know. I was like, I don't know, I gotta look this up. <laughs> and this is like pre-internet days, so I'm like, yeah. looking it up means like that's asking friends. Yeah, <laughs> um, going to the ask librarian. Yeah, yeah, definitely has much more of a nostalgic feel to it than some of the just plain classic films. Yeah, that yeah. Um. Cool, yeah. I uh, I think that's a great pick. Um, Mikey, you have anything you want to mention? Um, not or a few so things? much specifically. I mean, I kind of paged through the book. Um, what I really, I guess, would appreciate, I appreciate the most is kind of the derivative natures of all the ingredients and how they, like how the food, like really pairs with the certain, I mean, emotions, intricacies mm. of each film. Hmm. Nothing, I guess, nothing specifically stands, comes to mind right away, but more so that each each dish really shows, it gives you a feel of of each film. Yeah. Um, Charcuterie plate, what is it, Roman Holiday? Yeah. Um, Just like certain, you know, each dish really pairs well, and uh, I think that comes through a lot. Yeah, I think uh, before recording, Mikey, you mentioned like American Graffiti, and I mean, I, I love that film again for sort of like the sting, like it's, it's more modern, but going back to 
Yeah. This time that's kind of nostalgic or the way that it's portrayed is recently, you know, nostalgic to Are we going to talk about nostalgia in every show? Every thing? show. Yeah, I have to mention. <laughs> so, I, and I mean, I, I love that film kind of going back and also uh, we're Star Wars fans. So, yeah. really George Lucas and when he was also doing other things, yeah. <laughs> interesting other things. But that one always surprises me how people haven't seen American Graffiti. Yeah. And it's yeah. such a great movie. Yeah, and it's, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so many people's, you know, first movie. So, um, right, it was the first movie for Ron Howard and for Harrison Ford, I think. Yeah, I think uh, so. And such a great, such a great screenplay, such great characters in there, and such an American coming of age story that, you know, not our generation, but certainly for the generation of our parents. Yeah, and I think certainly we can see influences of that in like even Tarantino or Days Richard Confused. yeah Days and Confused yeah. Richard Linklater well yeah, I mean uh, it becomes like the stories, like yeah. the archetype of the great knight mm-hmm. you know right. um, and I, I remember when I, I mean in my when I was a kid I remember watching it mm-hmm. and I liked Happy Days and I was like kind of confused it's like is this a Happy Days movie right. <laughs> like yeah. what exactly am I That's watching not, yeah. because I think I maybe I mean I think to think about it now that I was sort of a bit um disoriented mm-hmm. by the that it's a very like the production values look very modern it's like back mm-hmm. to the future um but it's portraying a you know a time much in the past which is yeah. which often sort of the production values feel a little bit different when it's showing that time period mm-hmm. i was just gonna say it's definitely an aha moment i had the same thing i grew up with happy days and i you know it took yeah. me all <laughs> college to see american graffiti and it was like oh this is where it all started yeah, now yeah, yeah. it yeah yeah, I was just going to say, uh, and the music, you know, just like constant music that you recognize in the film. Yeah. And I think it's also a great choice for if you want something kind of fun with, you know, an audience that you're watching it with, um, that it's kind of something you can almost kind of wander in and out of, you know, in your in your attention. And you, you hear the great music and it's a fun viewing experience instead of like, let's focus and watch this serious film, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's well, also, I mean, I remember, uh, well, I don't well, I'll say like in watching American Graffiti because it's sort of like the the like the long wandering great night. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can like step out for twenty minutes and come back, and it's totally cool. Yeah, you know, like because like the the plot kind of always, you know, like you keep revisiting, like right. checking in with your character, seeing goodness. where it's going. Mm-hmm. So you can like pop out, have a little food, bring it back. You know, exactly. it's not a film; you have to pause yeah. it in the middle. Yep, um, you make it all the way through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can play the soundtrack. The soundtrack both for American Graffiti, which I think American Graffiti is sort of. Um, I keep hearing it's one of the, you know, one of the great, one of the first times like a soundtrack was that forward in a movie and that George Lucas really went out of his way to put incredible music in his movies. And then from then on, it was very influential and people started to do that. And that shows up again in The Big Chill, which has just a ridiculously good soundtrack to it as well. You know, it starts with the Rolling Stones and, you know, everybody's in that one too. So those are both great movies to sort of stop and maybe actually put on the soundtrack on Spotify and have some food. Yeah. Right, right. I just wanted to make a small suggestion possibly for the sequel book. Um, yeah. Like there's no Indiana Jones on this. And I just think like the great drinks that they flash back to. And if you really want to get crazy, like Temple of Doom, and you could Ugh. have like uh, the baby snakes. And, Chocolate like, bugs. Monkey brains. Yeah. And um, just Temple play with that, that theme. Just kind of throw it out there. I don't know. You don't have to take that one. You know, it was um, the book. So the book's main, um, you know, main purview was the kind of these like great movies from the past. And actually, it was decided later that we would go up into the '80s because it was. Uh It's just good. 
good for the book to go up into the 80s. Hmm. So then it was kind of like, well, what are the great, like, so the big chill popped up and then Moonstruck popped up. But yeah, it would be amazing to go through and do some of the more, I don't know, fun, like kind of fun blockbustery type films. Yeah. You know, necessarily the Oscar movies, but stuff sure. like, you know, stuff like Star Wars and, and um, Indiana Jones, whatnot. Some of that had been done. Like if you hunt for that online, some of it's mm. been done. Yeah, we sure. stayed there's Star Wars but, menus and stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We stayed away from it for that reason a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, there's so many great – I mean there's so many – You know, if I think of great um, – you know, the big night's not in here, which has just incredible food scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the more modern films um, just didn't make it in because the, sure. most, most of the book really is 60s and before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean I appreciate kind of bringing awareness to those classics. Um, I think that's great. So I think you could do like you do one with Ocean's Eleven with the re- like the classic and then the remake because like oh, I, I mean because like cause Brad Pitt is like always eating a, a sandwich, <laughs> sandwich. In that, and like I don't know like there's there are certain gags in the world that I love and mm-hmm. I love the like skinny guy always eating sandwiches <laughs> like it all I like I love it so you yeah. could you know yeah, you could have like like you know your menu is just like a, uh, like every time we say, say it's like we say see him seven times eating a sandwich in the movie just have like seven different hoagies like that's the right. and, and, and like i love like a hoagie so it's a great you know great yeah. Yeah. yeah and then it's part of the movie every time you every time you have a scene where we're eating a sandwich you switch sandwiches and yeah that's really those are fun. such great movies <laughs> yeah those are such great movies i would love to do it i would love to do the next book i always i always joke about that with them like we just need to do another one and you know then we can put in some some of these fun modern movies in there, you know, I, you know, even the big Lebowski is as a cheap shot yeah. as it is, you know, obviously the right Russian in there. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's movies like that that people just love that you could do a whole menu for. Yeah. Yeah. And you could, you could include like a, like a little pattern, how to knit the sweater and yeah. um, right. <laughs> the, like a whole, like do it yourself, like at home Lebowski kit. <laughs> little party favors. That's next. Or, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. knitting TCM and knitting. I don't know that that's my book, but that's next. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you can you can hire you could like write it with a knitting yeah. consultant. TCM, I hope you're you're jotting these notes down for, for the next book. Cool, Mikey. Anything else you want to mention? From uh, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Casablanca and then um, bring it back to you, Andre, for your one of your picks or a couple of your picks. So I mentioned that we, uh, my wife and I, tried the food and everything, and we did spend some time in uh in morocco my wife and i before like right before we had kids which uh that glorious time that glorious time our kids are are wonderful as well we love it <laughs> we love it but it, it was it's great to kind of revisit that film and um we also did spend our last couple days in casablanca we weren't there most of the time um nice. before we flew home uh, which, you know, is exactly like the back lot of right. the film. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but it is, it does remind me enough of that time period. And, you know, when we were young and in love, still in love, but yeah. you know, young, the young love. And, uh, it was cool to kind of be there on our own, um, and experience that, uh, the flavor. Did you have that. the movie, did you have the movie in mind when you chose that or no? To go there? Yeah. We we no. didn't. We kind of went for other reasons, but uh, we. My wife also went to film school, um, so we both knew Casablanca, um, right? Pretty well, and we're fans. But anyway, it, it it was fun to see. I hesitate to tell you the meal that we had <laughs> specifically in Casablanca. So just realize that we had been there for like three weeks already. So the food was great, but like was not very um, what we were used to. 
So we heard in Casablanca they had a Pizza Hut. So we <laughs> have a Pizza Hut in Casablanca, which was weird Ooh. because it was actually like kind of fancy and like sit down. Yeah, and yeah. They did have real ingredients because it wasn't like they were shipping like the pre-frozen stuff there. Oh, that's too um, funny. I, I I went to, when I was t- touring in Taiwan after high school visiting a friend. I, like they took me to a KFC. Uh huh. Um, and not only was it like fancy and like you sat down, but like the chicken was amazing. <laughs> right, um, yeah. you know, and it was like I mean it, it was fried. That was true, but like it was yeah. like amazing. Right. You know, it tasted totally different from in the United States. Yeah. And like it it, it was I mean. It, like, all the outside made it look like it was a fast food restaurant. Uh-huh. It had, like, big KFC neon sign, but it was totally, like, a fancy little restaurant inside. Oh, um, wow. You know, like, yeah. tables sat down, people, waiters, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty pretty remarkable. Yeah, that's the way this was. And uh, and it was, like, decorated more traditionally Moroccan in there. Yeah. But, um, but by the way, we did also have, like, street food there. and Yeah, you're totally down so local. Totally I'm, I'm okay. Um <laughs> Anyways, uh, so Casablanca, um, I think rewatching it uh, just lately, the things that it kind of emphasized to me about what I love about it, I mean, I think it is kind of quintessential classic Hollywood is when you think about that film. Yeah. Um, and not only, like, is it kind of a romantic film, but it just kind of has this romantic aura around it as a film, as a classic film. Um, and it just kind of had that sense of these things all coming together kind of perfectly uh with the cast and the setting and the story and for me i think what i appreciate is those those super interesting uh characters that all be kind of become centralized in this one location they're kind of all sucked into rick's american cafe and certainly it was based on a play so that makes sense um but i think in the film version we get these great characters um peter laurie and sydney greenstreet who this is just a year after Bogart did uh, The Maltese Falcon, yeah. which they were all in that film together. And so I think it's a good bridge from... This is Bogart's first kind of romantic leading role coming off of like more like gangster detective stories, kind of grittier stuff. So it's a good kind of bridge to, to that. And probably what he's mostly known for. Kind I of think. like Unforgiven, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I think those great, and of course, Ingrid Bergman yeah. and Claude Rains as the inspector. I just think I love watching these people interacting in this way. And uh, I, can't remember, I can't remember his name, but uh, the guy that plays Sam, the piano player, is also just great as, uh, as Rick's kind of best friend in the film. Julie um, Wilson? Julie Wilson, thank you. Yeah. Uh, what I also noticed this time is just how beautiful, like, the camera work is and the lighting and the shadows. Yeah. So, like, we kind of talk about here, we're kind of, like, film noir fans. And this I would not call a film noir, but it's got these elements of, like, uh, when the inspector, the Claude Rains character, comes over to the table where Ingrid Bergman and her husband are. Yeah. Like, he's introduced by this, like, shadow. His head is, like... Yeah. Silhouetted right. on the wall, and it's got yeah. this great, like, um, kind of busy, like, plant pattern um, spilled across it. And there's a few kind of shadow moments like that where we see things yeah. happening. Rick, Rick in his office when he, he's pulling out these uh, documents and stuff. So, um, and, and, you know, I think they did a great job of giving it that feel 
uh, that kind of exotic feel for, for what people would have known at that time mm-hmm. with Morocco is known for their geometric patterning and their tiling and stuff. And we get that even in the shadows, um, on the walls and things like that. So I, and I like that people kind of like think of it as this very romantic film, romantic drama, but there are really kind of like some darker things to it. And also watching it this time, dealing with refugees Um, It's basically all these people are kind of stuck in Casablanca trying to escape, you know, the Nazis and everything, fleeing from the countries and trying to get these transit papers to get out. And certainly it's it's a different setting and things like that now. But it it just kind of, I think, hits home and it probably hit home for people more back when they're originally watching it, um, kind of what that meant, even though I think there's there's elements of the film which are still very sort of hazy and <laughs> complicated that I, yeah. I'm not sure I understand. But, um, I watched yeah. it again around Christmas, and I was amazed how timely it seemed with the yeah. refugee yeah. situation. And what I love about it is it's such a great screenplay, and that they actually, you know, it's used in, in the screen, you know, people talk about it in all the screenplay books because it's the classic example of these characters that are thrown together and they all have diverging agendas. Yeah. And agendas overlap, and agendas which you know conflict with each other, and agendas with, with that align with each other, all in a very short um, time span. So yeah. you just get these wonderful characters that are all just kind of veering off on their own direction. And then it really, you know, it's a love story, but it's absolutely spirit crushing too. Yeah, weird. for sure. <laughs> you know, this middle-aged man who's you know has this ingenue that left him for another man, and then here she is. It's just the worst bar situation you can imagine. Right, right. And, and I think you really do, the, the acting's great. I mean, I think you really do feel that emotion and the loss they're sort of dealing with. And I love characters like um, Rick, uh, Humphrey Bogart's playing that. You know, when we're introduced, they're kind of the characters that don't give a crap about anything, you know. And, right. and they kind of say, he doesn't sit down for a drink with anybody and he's not going to help people. But you know, like you see that kind of change in him of what he used to be and how, how I think, I mean, it's kind of this balance of this idealism of Ilsa's current husband, who's kind of this yeah. revolutionary and doing these amazing things and is really ideal about it. And Rick, who, who doesn't give a crap, but kind of does. And like, he kind of almost makes the bigger sacrifice, um, and also knows that, you know, if he doesn't believe that Ilsa loves him leaving with the husband, that yeah. he won't continue his sort of, like, passion for those things. So I think there is some really nuance in these in these characters and what they're trying to do. And I just love that balance of, like, pursuing what you're sort of passionate and believe in. And it, and it also kind of has to be tied to, like, the person you love sort of and inspires yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, that's part of, I mean your point, Andre, that it's like such a good screenplay. You know, it's yeah. like, sure, these characters are doing things in places and time and <laughs> has meaning, but like, you know, even even at the first viewing, you're like, oh, like, this has, these are big philosophical ideas. These are perennial right. questions. These yeah. are, you know, these are characters in a story, but they're also like, you know, they're, they're every person in that situation in time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I love myself a reluctant hero. You know, yeah. I, I love myself, you know, right. like Han Solo, right? He's like, I don't care. I don't care about people. I don't care about the force. Right. And then he's like diving into the Death Star head first, you know? <laughs> right. Or like Rambo First Blood Part Two, Like, you know, he's done. <laughs> you know, he, he's like building some houses and, you know, in Thailand or whatever it is. And they got to go, or Cambodia, and they got to yeah. go back and get him, you right. know? Because yep. nobody else, you know, no, he, he doesn't care. He's done with it, but there's a problem he's got to solve. Right, you know? right, right. 
Yeah. Good stuff. So, uh, Andre, what what kind of films can you point to as maybe um, have some meaning to you? Well, I mean, as a cocktail guy, I love The Thin Man. I mean, here's a movie that nobody expected to even, you know, I don't know if they even expected it to break even. They, I, You know, I, I read about it. I hear they shot it in like an absurdly short amount of time. And it and it I it's sort of I look back on it as sort of like wow that might have been one of the first like weirdly indie movies right it was shot on a shoestring nobody thought it was gonna be that great and then it turns into this runaway hit where they end up making four of them and mainly because it was just um, they're having a really good time and I love the some of the parts in the early movies where they give people a chance to to ad lib um, you know where you can tell that the scenes are are just absolutely made up and the the stories about making the thin man when, you know, the director would ask, um, so it's William Powell and Myrna Loy. Um, they were a very different type of actors. Uh, he, you know, he always thought he was a little bit too old for the role. Myrna Loy was sort of a sex pot at the time. Um, but she came out of that role to, to do this with him and just their on screen. It's amazing what can happen on screen. I'm fascinated by that. And yeah. you know, there's stories. The director would basically say, Hey, can you guys practice this? And then, um, they they would practice it and they would say, okay, let's shoot it for real. And the director was like, I just did. I just got you doing it. As a- <laughs> I knew that it would just come off okay. We've, we're moving yeah. on. And they're like, okay, what? So they just yeah. shot so fast. Um, and, you know, people could – and the, the fact that they could memorize their lines and make up stuff, just the artistry and the actors and actresses in that era yeah. just seems to be so amazing. You know, they're all coming off the stage. Um, and probably ad, you know, coming off of ad lib theater or whatever, and and uh, they just make make such great movies. Yeah. And I do have to do a shout out to for um, you know, Blue Hawaii, which is probably the worst movie in the book. I mean, it's just <laughs> terrible. I mean, this is just an awful Elvis vehicle. It's just Elvis <laughs> going around in a jeep with basically girls in bikinis playing on a guitar. <laughs> and it, I tell you, it is one of the greatest movies to watch with friends. <laughs> Because it has that MST three thousand thing, like you don't even yeah. need to. Everyone's talking over the movie, just yeah. like <laughs> this thing, um, and it's just such a good feel good ride. I mean, they're in the tropics, um, drinking mai tais. Angela Lansbury is cast as his mother, and she's like four years older than he is. I mean, the whole <laughs> thing makes no sense. Um, and you know, we put that in there. Just you know, we we wanted to have an Elvis movie. I think yeah, part of it, yeah. and watched it and. Um, it was one of the nights we remember most as, as far as watching uh, movies with other people. Just, yeah. I mean, this thing is just atrocious. But there's, you know, I think there's room for that too. You know, there's so many um, bad American movies, and there's something that's, um, you know, and I don't want to trash it, 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 it too much. But you know, movies that don't quite work, um, but they're still great for, you know, and uh, you know, there's flaws in all of these movies to a certain extent. Yeah. But it's fun to watch one that you know, just isn't trying to be. Um, what it's anything that it's not and it's just a, a wonderful way to get together and and uh, have a good time yeah i think i think uh that was a great choice i think i just saw the title and was like that's an elvis movie right yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> i was like they had to include elvis movie yeah I, I don't i don't think i've seen it but i've seen i think i saw clips from it like when i was uh, in film school yeah. like you just an example of like oh here you know like here's elvis movie right. here's another elvis movie here's right. another one can you tell the difference yeah, yeah. um but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I always, uh, I have this friend from back home that like really likes the Justin Timberlake movies. Like, he's a total dude, and like, I don't, he doesn't listen to Justin Timberlake. Yeah. But he, there's something about like the the everlasting kitsch of some of that that he just he just digs yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that there's, 
I know, there's just also something, yeah, there's something glorious about, like, this is a movie about a rock star in Hawaii. Yeah. You know, like, right. there may be plot, there may not be. There are <laughs> posters and people, a beginning and an end. Yeah. Are you not entertained? You know? Yeah. yeah. And I, right. Um, well, I also want to... Oh, I went down to... I was just going to say, I went down to Graceland last summer, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, there, out of all of his car collections, is this pink Jeep that was in that movie. And apparently, he used to ride around his estate in that thing. Like, that was his glory days. So, he, <laughs> he remembered the movie fondly. <laughs> Who wouldn't, great. I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a great shoot, right? Just drive around and, yeah. yeah. Um, I did want to comment on The Thin Man, because I think those were somewhat more of a recent discovery for me a few mm-hmm. years back. Um, then later and just like one of my favorite discoveries and I, you know, it's just like you watch those, you know, like, why are people not talking about this? You know, like, I feel like it was not as well known as much until more recently. And you're right. Their chemistry is just perfect together. Uh, kind of makes me, made me fall in love with Myrna Loy a little bit. Um, absolutely. I mean, so quick witted. Yeah. So Mm. quick witted. So like casual with each other. And, um, so she's like smart and fun and, and great, you know, like you said, um, I really like uh, the witty characters. And and just throw in, like, the detective element, and I'm totally sold. Um, yeah. And I tell you that all the time. I mean, like, give me a detective. Like, give me a Japanese detective. <laughs> like, I will follow you anywhere. Because, um, I mean, I, 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 I love a good story. I, I love, like, a stalwart person trying to find good in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really, like... I didn't even know what a screwball comedy was until mm-hmm. I like, started taking film classes. And I was like, yeah. oh, these are so entertaining. <laughs> this dialogue is totally so witty. I didn't yeah. know that they did this. You know, because I had seen, like, my, you know, I had seen, you know, noir films, but I just mm-hmm. didn't know much about the genre. Um, and to see other things like this where, like, it's not a screwball comedy, but yeah. there's the element of, like, the strong female character, the, you know, the strong witty dialogue where I'm like, oh, this is, this, and a mystery and a detective and, a, like, mm-hmm. moral choices. I'm like, this is, this is everything I like all yeah. in one thing. Um, yeah, there's a and, lot going on yeah. in those movies. Yeah, and if I remember right, I think there's a very young Jimmy Stewart in the first one. Is that right? Uh, I believe you're right. Yep. I think so. Um, show up. A cameo. Yeah, and I have to give a shout out to the lady from Shanghai as well. I'm, I'm uh, oh, so kind of a cliched Orson Welles yeah. uh, fan going way back, and I think that's some of his prime um, of when he's doing things, so... I recently watched um, uh, one of his latest works, uh, or uh, one of the last works he did before passing away, um, as the voice of Unicron in the Transformers movie. Oh, pretty um, much the same thing. I think. Yeah, I um, like my uh, uh, youngest son, uh, Sam, is five now. Is like really into Transformers, and th- there's a lot of good Transformers on the on, on the in the world now. Hmm. Robots in disguise, uh, Rescue Bots is super good. Um, Prime is a bit too adult, but there's you know there's good stuff there. Yeah. Um, and he's like he and so he's like into the toys and he keeps asking me about like, you know like the stories of all the characters. And I'm like I, I saw like half the original show, so I only know some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also talked in the show before about playing uh, Transformers Devastation, the sort of new video game, which is great. And I was like, okay, so what's the first thing I'm going to show them? Like you know like maybe we'll get the whole series. Well, I remember watching the movie as a kid. I'll go back and watch it. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, I was searching on YouTube, and, like, I came across the trailer, um, which you should do right now if you're listening to this. <laughs> it's, like, it's a bad trailer. It's, yeah. like, the most amazing rock and roll adventure ever. <laughs> and there's, like, some uh, – uh, Eric Idle plays a character in it. Hmm. Um, and it's, like, the, it, you can't tell from the trailer 
anything about it except that it's animated and has Transformers in it. It, <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, and so I watched it, and I was like, do, 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 watch, watch, watch. And I was like, and there's this giant um, planet-sized Transformer named Unicron who has uh-huh. the anti-spark and is evil. And he's, a, he's like trying to eat Cybertron, and we're trying to save Cybertron as the main heroes. And I'm listening, and I'm like, that's it's definitely awesome, Orson Welles um, <laughs> with that voice. And so you know, I'm immediately Googling, and I'm like, oh, like – and like, and like, I just don't know, like, and again, and, and, and Eric Idle plays this sort of funny uh, mm. guard character who's like yeah. a junk Transformer. Mm. I was like, how did they, like, how did they build that? Yeah. You know, to Orson Welles, like, you get to play the part of a giant planet-eating robot that's also a planet which transforms kind of into a robot planet. Yeah. Um, he only has like two or three, well, I mean, he has probably like five or six Decent. lines. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's certainly like a, they used like the dark, ominous filter um, yeah. to make it. But it was a, I was, uh. It was a weird moment where, like, I, I, you know, like, it's like, do, do my eyes betray me? Or my, yeah, do my ears betray me? Is that, is that Orson Welles? He did a lot of voice work to uh, fund his, basically, like, mm. independent films. He would go back and was making, like, Shakespearean films. And that's what he would go make some money. Yeah. And then he'd get his crew back together and do that. But, yeah, I love that, that uh, thought in my mind of, like, doing the voice recording. He's like, yeah. what, what am I doing? What it's is like, my... And what is... What is Energon? Just give me, just give me my lines, guys. Yeah, just give it, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, great. Uh, yeah, I really uh, enjoy uh, this conversation, Andre, and being able to talk about this. Uh, is there anything that you want to talk about that you're working on? You know, if you're working on next, or where people can find more of your work? Yeah, we just shot um, our next book out in a studio in Philadelphia. It's actually the, the, the crew that shot the first book, The New Cocktail Hour. So we're back okay. with the photographer that we love named Jason Varney. Um, we're, we did a book called Booze and Vinyl. So it's 75 oh. vinyl albums with an A-side and B-side cocktail. Oh, uh, that, that one's going to be just genius? Fun. That's just that's that's pretty genius. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that one will be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and then I'm on, uh, you know, AndreDarlington.com or, uh, you know, I write with my sister um, on a website called WithTheDarlingtons.com. We put out a newsletter and we put out cocktail recipes and kind of talk about whatever we're we're into at the moment, which happens to be uh, vinyl, although we're still doing a lot of um, stuff with this film book and we'll be doing um, – you know, hopefully we'll be doing some, um, you know, summer festivals and whatnot to mm-hmm. be out um, pushing this film book uh, this summer. You know, it's a little bit harder in the wintertime, but once uh, once the outdoor uh, cinema kicks in, um, you know, a lot of restaurants have, have a screen outside these oh, days. Yeah. So mm-hmm. be hopping around some of that. So that will be fun. Um, yeah, that's the that's the next uh, the next direction for us. Next direction. Wow, that that all sounds exciting. I. Uh... We may have to have you back to talk about the uh, the vinyl book. Yeah, absolutely. Like absolutely. Vinyl is totally media and totally within our purview. Yeah, we can talk about music. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of fun. Great. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on the show and sharing uh, some of the stories in the book with us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. This was fantastic. Yeah.